I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Hard Currency, the podcast on the foreign exchange market from the Financial Times. I'm Roger Blitz, and this week has been a nervous, jittery one across many markets, including equities, junk bonds, and especially emerging market currencies as investors worry about risk and decide to take money off the table. So is this a blip or a portent of a more sustainable period of market uncertainty? My guest is Michael Metcalf, who heads up global macro strategy at State Street Global Advisors. Michael, a period of uncertainty could also be called a panic. Are we heading for anything significant or is this a blip? Oh, let's let's not panic just yet. I think the one thing where there is a correlation is that the longer the markets go up, when we do get a correction, the more we worry about it. And I would say right now, the signals of whether this would have been something more serious than just a blip is that volatility is still quite low. And also correlations haven't risen. In fact, actually, this has been one of the things which I think has sustained the risk rally for so long this year is actually that correlations generally have been quite low. Markets have not been systemic. Yes. Which correlations do you worry do you look at most? Well, for, for FX, I a, a really interesting thing to think around is that so, you know, many risky assets have performed very well in almost a straight line yes. this year. Um, and that's why people are so concerned. That's why, that's why people are calling this little blip something more. Um, but the really interesting thing in the FX market is the sort of the, the stereotypical risk on trade in FX, of course, is the carry strategy. Mm. And it's really interesting to me that this year, the correlation between other risky assets and carry has more than halved. And certainly, really, since March onwards, actually, carry hasn't performed that well. So you know, th- there is no bubble in FX. No. Okay. So what do we attribute it to? I mean, you talked about the end of the year. Is it a calendar thing? I mean, is that a, a reason why investors would say, we've done pretty well this year, let's take the money and, and start again you know, in January? Yeah, certainly at this time of year, we always worry about technical factors like year-end book closing. And and look, you know, returns have been so attractive in many asset classes, you could understand that you'd book some profit. But here's the thing. I I wouldn't read too much into this about this being about valuation or anything like that. And, you know, let me give you an example. So, you know, it's sort of been led by Japanese equities where actually valuations are arguably the most attractive. And so I think you can, you, know, you can't really argue that this is the, you know, a massive overvaluation that's finally bust. I think it's more technical reasons. And look, fundamentals haven't really changed. The Goldilocks story has to end at some time, doesn't it? What is likely to be driving that? I mean, do we look at the US and do we look at inflation as the probable point whereby there might not be a market correction, but there has to be a rethink about what is the norm, the equilibrium, the the best no, absolutely. Conditions. I love the fact that Goldilocks is now part of the narrative yeah. because you know the, the same levels of growth a year ago we talked about secular stagnation. But the, yeah. but I think the interesting thing now is that growth very clearly for the moment has been enough to generate labour market improvements, good earnings growth, uh, but no inflation. And, and right now, if you look at all the leading indicators, none of the leading indicators are suggesting that there's that many downside risks to growth. And so you know to the question what breaks Goldilocks, it's actually that it gets too hot. And that for some reason, inflation comes back. Now, we don't see any time, uh, you know, in the near term, inflation doesn't look like a risk. But, you know, here's an interesting counterfactual for you. We know that uh, U.S. inflation has been biased downwards by one-off factors. 
what if they'd been in the other direction? You know, what if we get shocks to inflation into core inflation? Then that's the kind of thing that could upset yeah, well, Goldilocks. Well, someone said to me, the upside inflation surprises are going to be very market driving, whereas actually downside, probably the market won't react. It, I mean, market seems poised to expect something on inflation, at least on the upside. Well, I, I mean, I think that, I think the reason why the risks are one way is that you know you look at the shape of the U.S. curve and think, well, actually, the, it's very difficult for the market to take out all the tightening of the Fed next year. You know, they've, they've got you know that sort of halfway there uh, in terms of one and a half hikes, and so you know, I think there is an asymmetric risk here that you know yes. weak inflation is sort of priced in. Uh, any upside surprises are not, and and that's you know, so if we get an inflation shock that's when we're talking about the correction. That's when we start to panic. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. Um, is there a bit of, well, panic again is a strong word, but is there a bit of new thinking about China? We've had the party congress, and we are now seeing some pretty stern words coming out of the central bank governor and some slowdown in the economy, which, granted, uh, China did say uh, they were planning. But it, there's something different about actually experiencing it and seeing it to preparing for it. Did you think there's a rethink going on in, with China? Is that part of some of the blippy instability around? Well, it'd be very tempting to go back to sort of 20, end of 2015, oh, God, yes. early 2016. Yeah. China was sort of a big part of that, as was the commodity price weakness. I think right now uh, there's not enough evidence that Chinese growth has slowed enough to be disruptive. And I think we're just waiting to see you know, what kind of monetary tightening we potentially get. Um, and, you know, so it's definitely a risk. And, you know, I, I think, um, you know, the stability that we've had in global growth overall, you know, th- this year, you know, we had concerns about U.S. growth. And, uh, uh, you know, but the reason why we did okay was that that, that all through this, China has actually done fine. Yeah. Um, so I think it is important. Well, I, you say China's done fine. We've been told that China has done fine. We have been told the China's done. That's absolutely right. And I'm not going to say anything else other than that on air. However, one of the other things we need to wait and see in December is, you know, we know that after the Congress, we know that there's going to be a different focus on growth. Yes. We don't know whether the growth targets will continue. So goodness knows, if the growth targets didn't continue in two or three years' time, then the growth numbers may become more volatile. Yes, I mean, I think it's about, you compare it to 2015, when market had a poor understanding of China. Uh, presumably, they have a better understanding. But even so, we have to see how these numbers would, how market would react if these numbers came in below. Oh, I mean, absolutely. And and it it remains a risk. So, you know, downside growth surprises in China. Yes. So upside risks of Western inflation, downside surprises in Chinese growth. Yes, indeed. What about the euro, uh, Michael? We've been looking at the prospect of a dollar revival. Uh, It's been very spotty since, say, the start of the fourth quarter. And we actually did see quite a big push again in the euro this week. I mean, it's my inclination to think that, you know, we actually have to go through periods of believing in a dollar revival, work our way through them, and then we can get back into a euro revival. What's, what do you make of how the euro has been doing? Yeah, I, 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 I think sentiment has swung hugely this year, uh, in the sense that we were far too pessimistic at the start of the year. And then, you know, I think by the summer and certainly in the run up to the German election, we sentiment has probably swung too far in the other direction. And everything was too just op- too just too optimistic Indeed. and too negative on the US. Yeah. And the reason why we need to take a step back to move forward to your point yes. is just to clear out positioning. So it's yeah. just not too extreme. And I think the key for the year, and here's a, here's a really sort of puzzling and interesting observation is that Typically, historically, um, euro dollar has been driven by the link with two-year rate differentials rather than 10-year rate differentials. It's the short-term policy expectations have driven the currency. Yes. 
This year, that's not true. This year, it's long-term yield differentials that have been the driver. And you know, that's kind of interesting because it sort of speaks to the fact that you know, even though the ECB is not moving policy anytime soon, and obviously we had all the speculation about you know, when the taper would come and it came and it's passed, mm-hmm. um, actually long-term growth expectations as reflected in long-term yields can help drive the euro going forward. And that makes us feel, make, would make investors feel solid about growth in general, about global growth, not just in Europe, but more broadly? I mean, I think so. I mean, you know, Europe was one of the success stories in terms of growth this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, the interesting thing, if you look at Eurozone growth expectations for, for 2018, they're still not that high. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, certainly Eurozone yields aren't that high either. And so you know, there is, you know, if there is potential for an upside surprise on growth, it's interesting that the surprise that we got in 2017 in Europe isn't expected to be repeated in 2018. So if there is growth momentum there, um, there is some upside for Eurozone yields and therefore the euro. A tricky week to conclude, Michael. Um, What do you think investors have to hold on to? What are the most important fundamentals you think that should enable investors to say, hang on a minute, you know, yes, there's, there's something going on, but perhaps it's not, to your point, it's not more than a blip. What, what do you think is the key issue? Is it, is it broadly global growth? Is it confidence? Is it those PMI numbers? What do you think it is? Well, look, I, the growth numbers do matter, don't get me wrong, um, but they look to be in a pretty steady ongoing recovery yeah. and that's fine i think the really important thing is that inflation remains under control uh, and w- without a upside inflation shock in developed markets goldilocks still goes on okay my thanks to michael metcalf of state street next week we'll look at how u.s tax reform prospects will influence the dollar and whether the euro is about to go on another bull run we'll relook at that issue until then from hard currency it's goodbye This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.